The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you're at in the world. Uh, And welcome to uh, this edition of Untangling Transportation. Uh, I am Ron Brooks, founder and CEO of Accessible Avenue. Uh, And this is where we get together about once a month to discuss uh, and hopefully demystify, debunk, and otherwise make transportation less confusing and less tangled. So uh, before we get started, uh, I would like to just acknowledge a few folks. Uh, First, I just want to acknowledge Travis, who is our uh, host and and, uh, bouncer this evening. Uh, So he will be making sure that everybody is uh, muted and stays muted until it's time to speak. And then he'll be calling on folks uh, to speak and ask questions and make comments when the time comes. Uh, so Travis, thank you for that. Uh, and we have Jane doing double duty as our streamer uh, to ACB Media and also connecting us up to Clubhouse. So Jane, thank you for your service as well. Uh, I'm going to be introducing our uh, guest in just a minute, um, but uh, we do have a guest, and I'll and I'm really glad he is here as well. And then I want to thank all of you for joining us. Uh, whether you're joining in on Zoom, you're on uh, through Clubhouse, or you're listening on ACB Media, um, we are really, really glad uh, to have you here this evening. So this is our last call for 2023. We're going to take the Christmas holiday season off. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, this this is going to be a really fun topic and a very timely topic. And and it's something that's really uh, becoming super important. Uh, it's always been important for those of us who are blind or have low vision. It's becoming important in the transit industry. And that's this topic of uh, information, but getting the information that we as blind and low vision people need to effectively use public transportation. Okay whether it is uh, the information to get you know, to kind of figure out how do we get from point A to point B, uh, the information we need to figure out what is it going to cost? Uh, how are we going to you know, how are we going to get to and from the transit s- system so we can use it? Um, how do we know when we're at the right place? What bus do we board? What train do we board? How do we know when we're at the right spot to get off? All those things that come into play uh, that these are all pieces of information that, depending on the accessibility of the system and how the system operates, uh, are either really, really good uh, or can be really, really tough. And of course, then we have all the things that are currently changing in the world. We have new technologies that are coming into play. Uh, sometimes they can make things a little easier. Uh, sometimes they can make things a little bit harder, depending on how that technology is implemented. So one of the things that is happening within the transit industry is there is a focus right now on this topic. Um, I can tell you that uh, my company, Accessible Avenue, um, is working with two or three different organizations right now across the industry that are focused in in greater or lesser extent on this precise topic. And so, I and I'm really excited because one of the people that I'm working with, and we'll talk more about this later, or one of the organizations is an organization called the Texas Transportation Institute. Uh, they are part of Texas A&M, and they are one of the leading organizations working, uh, doing research in the industry uh, to try to help transit agencies uh, and other providers in the industry provide services that work better, that are more effective, more efficient. Uh, but but I'm going to say I don't want to steal too much of, of my guest thunder. I want to just now introduce Michael Walk. Michael Walk is uh, a uh, he is the project lead on a project that we're going to talk about tonight, which is to help the industry develop some tools uh, to make sure that when we provide information uh, for folks who are blind or low vision, that the information actually works. So, Michael, welcome. Thank you, Ron. Happy to be here. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to have you. And and uh, we had the opportunity to work together for, oh, I don't know, it seems like it's been about a year, I think maybe not quite, um, but um, 
let's uh, let's just dive right in. And uh, just for the rest of you, we're going to talk for a little bit, and then we'll open it up later. But um, we're going to talk about wayfinding. So, so uh, Michael, maybe you could just start and just talk about your role at at TTI. Talk a little bit about what TTI does, and and uh, you know all that good stuff. Just give people a little context. Yeah, great. Uh, and thanks, Ron. Thanks for for having me here today, and thank you everyone for being on. Um, as Ron said, my name is Michael Walk. Uh, it's W A L K. Like everybody uh, has to sometimes go for a walk. And uh, I'm with the Texas A&M Transportation Institute, also called TTI. And I am the program manager of the what's called the Transit Mobility Research Program there. So it's a group of about 12 other researchers within TTI that focuses our attention on public transportation providing research and technical assistance and training really to public entities for the most part that are trying to trying to improve their public transportation systems. Um, I've, I've been with TTI for about eight years now and been in the public transit world for about 14. And uh, so it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy public transportation. I think it's a really valuable service and I'm excited to be uh, leading this project. Excellent. And this is not your first rodeo as it comes to um, information and wayfinding and get, and helping people figure out projects for folks who are blind or have low vision. TTI has done some other work in this area and you've been involved with that. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, there's you know, been several projects over the past uh, that have looked at this particular issue. I mean, even as far back to where I used to work um, when I was in Baltimore, I worked for the Maryland transit administration and, and even there uh, one of my, in my role there, uh, you know, working with uh, people who are blind or low vision and helping them to have better information about our fixed route services was something that was a priority even there. You know, we always try to make sure that, um, you know, even things like our uh, feed that we sent to Google, right, had useful information about bus stop locations. And so that's it's always been uh, something I've been very interested in, I think is really important. And, and at TTI, we, we did have a couple of past projects some that focus on um, the use of uh, transportation network companies and uh, people who are blind or low vision, how, you know, how to make that a better experience. And then also trying to come up with new innovative ways to provide information about fixed route transit uh, was a project we uh, closed about two years ago, but it was more of a pilot kind of a project. Now, this one is the one we're talking about today I'm even more excited about. Well, let's dive into it because this is a this is a major study uh, with the Transportation Cooperative Research Program, and I'm going to let you describe maybe just a little bit about about what the we call it the TCRP because saying all those big words together is uh, kind of exhausting. So, <laughs> talk a little bit about what TCRP is is and what this project is uh, that we're trying to accomplish over the next uh, year and a half or so. Yeah, sure. So the, the TCRP or uh, Transit Cooperative Research Program is a national level research program that funds research in the public transportation industry. Um, and its main audience usually, and the people that read its reports, you know, usually are transit agencies in the US, um, whether big or small. And so, you know, every year there's, new opportunities, uh, the industry basically says, hey, I have some problems I'd like some research on. And those can get funded through this TCRP program. And uh, we were uh, lucky enough that when this opportunity came out um, for the project we're talking about today, uh, TTI and myself were able to take the lead on it um, and to do this research. And you know, really this project from TCRP is specifically focused on providing accessible information to people who are blind or low vision. Uh, we're focusing, the project is ultimately going to create a guide um, for transit agencies being the main audience so that they can have a go-to resource to understand how they can best provide accessible information uh, so that individuals who are blind or low vision can more uh, easily you know, plan their transit trips, take their transit trips and, and pay for their transit trips. The study itself is focused on fixed route transit in particular, you know, like buses and trains that have stop stations and schedules. And so we're, we're not really getting into, you know, on-demand transit or 
or things like that. But really focusing on, you know, the fixed route, you know, buses and trains. And yeah, I would say that the thing I really like about this particular project is we're trying to look at all aspects of a transit trip, what we call the complete trip and looking at all the information needed, um, you know, from the, from the point of planning a trip, uh, you know, like what services are out there, when do they operate, where is the stop, all the way through, you know, to traveling to and from the bus stop, you know, so there's information needed about the, the sidewalk or the complexity of intersections, that's part of the information needed, right, in a complete trip, looking at information needed you know, when you're trying to locate a bus stop or a train platform or, you know, waiting for the bus, when do you, when does the bus arrive? The, the complexities of fare payments, how much is the fare, what pass products are available, right? That's all information needed to take a trip. Um, and we're also uh, looking at, you know, in, information about uh, delays and disruptions, right? So how is that communicated when, when there is a delay or disruption? That's also part of a complete trip. Um, so, you know, so I'm really excited because the study's, you know, really trying to uh, inventory what are all those pieces of information needed for a person to take, you know, a, a trip on transit, and then how can we best communicate those pieces of information to someone who is blind or low vision, um, you know, and, and technology is a part of it, of course, um, but Another thing that I really like about the study and approach we're taking is, is not only focused on, you know, the latest whiz bang technology um, or smartphone app, but, you know, we're trying to look at all the possible ways that information can be provided. Yeah. And just to kind of build out on that, I mean, we're talking about things like, like the surfaces under your feet, uh, it, you know, are there, right. you know, some agencies use detectable warning strips, uh, some agencies mm -hmm. use um uh bar tiles i mean it, it, you know the sounds that you hear in stations i mean there mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of components you're right and i mean there's and um you know there's no real sound source or library if you would of what those best practices are how you know uh when is it best to use what kind of uh, inc information device and you know, under what circumstances might they work and might they not work? Um, and so, you know, that's really what this project is aiming to produce for the industry. Awesome. Now, there's, you have some partners on this project. Of course, Accessible Avenue is one of those partners, but you've got, a, you've got another partner and you've also got a group of experts that you've brought in. Could you want to talk about just how you're expanding the research team uh, just sort of to keep this thing super real? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll first start um, with the um, with the additional partners. We're, we're also partnered, you know, and, and one I'll, I'll say we're very thrilled to have Ron as a partner on this uh, through your company. Um, and we've also partnered with Accessible Design for the Blind. Um, and so between TTI and Accessible Design for the Blind and Accessible Avenue, you know, we're uh, together, I think, a really strong uh, team to make this a reality and make it something that's workable right uh one workable for the transit industry as a whole and then also meet the needs of individuals who are blind or low vision but you know our perspectives only go so far and so another way that we are trying to make sure you know the strategies and initiatives and tools that are uh, documented in this in this uh, project you know, we brought on board a group of an expert group um, and this expert group is comprised of individuals who are blind or low vision, um, uh, also individuals that are in, in the wayfinding sort of space, if you want to call it that, um, and, um, you know, people that are in, and from, uh, sorry, also individuals from transit agencies that are, that all of their experiences um, help us to make sure that you know, when we're asking questions of the industry and of the of the blind or low vision community, are we asking the right questions as we develop recommendations? Are these the right recommendations? And and this expert group of individuals is really helping us figure out. You know, are we still on the mark as the project goes along? Yeah, and just for the 
for for some of you, uh, just for some of the uh, longtime advocates within ACB, you've probably heard the name Linda Myers. You've heard the name BZ Benson. That's accessible design for the blind. They've been partners in the community uh, literally for decades. So, so the the team and and certainly from from my standpoint as one of the partners, one of the appeals of this project is that there is real involvement. This is not just uh, academic researchers sitting in you know an ivory tower at a university in East Texas. This is people who are. I mean, and and by the way, I don't want to play that down because. TTI has a really good team of people who know a lot about transit, uh, but we also have a lot of people who have been working on these issues quite literally for decades. And and we have folks who are who are blind users of trans of public transit. Um, we have a, a couple of O and M folks as well. So it's a really strong team. Um, and I want to talk about another component because there is also a great deal of. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to expand even beyond that to really talk to people um, who are uh, you know, practitioners in the industry. Uh, but we're also going to talk to folks, including perhaps people uh, who are on this call uh, right now as we speak in the form of a couple of surveys. Could you just talk about um, the, the outreach you're doing through surveys to the industry and then especially to. Uh, the blind low vision community because I know we're getting ready to launch a couple of, of surveys here. Yeah, uh, and definitely these these surveys are a key part of the research project. And, and like you mentioned, there are two of them. One survey is uh, for transit agencies. Uh, I'll get into that one in just a minute. Um, and the other survey is specifically for uh, blind and low vision individuals uh, the, that use fixed route transit. And um, this survey is really, really, you know, when you start down a project like this, you might think, you know, you, you know what's important, what pieces of information are the most important and, and, and what needs to be done. But really, it's, you know, we need, still need to learn. And this survey that's going to, uh, that's targeting uh, blind or low vision individuals that use fixed route transit, it's aimed at learning particularly want to learn a couple of key things. One is, you know, we have all these different pieces of information. I, I mentioned them earlier, right? Uh, when it comes to a complete trip, you have all these different things uh, that, that, are, that you need to know. And we're actually going to be asking people that take the survey, hey, uh, how, how important is this piece of information for you to be able to take your transit trip? You know, is it is it critical, you know, absolutely essential? Is it sort of a nice to have um, or somewhere in between? Um, and, you know, th that information is important because we can learn from that data to direct transit agencies and, and other stakeholders that are providing this information to say, look, you know, the data say that this, these pieces of information, right, these are your top priorities. If we got to get this right. Um, and, you know, then we can kind of move to, to, you know, the second tier, third tier, fourth tier pieces of information. So, so how important the pieces of information are, that's a real critical thing with the survey. Um, the second, you know, key aspect of the survey uh, for blind and low vision individuals is learning how well regions are actually doing, particularly in the U.S., which is our, really our target audience, you know, across the U.S., are there some places that are doing better at providing accessible information for about their transit? And, um, you know, how is that being done? And, you know, we're, we're really hoping to learn from, from that survey to uh, have some qualitative and quantitative data that helps us to identify places in the U.S. that are doing this better than others so that later, you know, we'll, we'll be doing some case studies of those and I'll, I'll be happy to talk through that a little bit later. Um, it, so, so that's the survey for blind and low vision individuals. That's the one of the two surveys we're, we're launching. And uh, the second survey for transit agencies is a little bit different because, you know, for that, uh, for that survey, we're targeting transit systems in the U.S. And really, we want to learn from them, from, from their perspective, you know, what information they are actually providing in an accessible format and how usable it is and and also particularly how 
are they doing it right are, are they using apps or announcements or aspects of the built environment or even you know in-person support you know having somebody on site a complicated train station or something like that and so we, that's what we're trying to learn from the transit systems is is what are they providing and, and how are they doing it and again that gives us useful information for the guidebook and for uh selecting our case studies uh later on in the, in the study you know, and one of the things and and I don't know if this has come out in other research, but I think probably those of us on this call who have traveled as blind pedestrians, you know, using public transit, getting around in our communities, sometimes the agencies are, are, and I believe generally with good intent, are trying to do things that they believe are helpful and they don't land right in the community. They don't work right, but because the folks who are designing them are are not folks who typically have much lived experience and they're not using these tools themselves because they don't need to use the tools. Um, they don't they don't work as well as as the agency would probably wish that they did. And one mm -hmm. of the things I'm very interested to see is from the surveys is if we find regions where the agency says, hey, we're doing all these things correct. You know, we're doing this, we're doing, we have braille signs, we've got, uh, we've got announcements. We've got this app that's, you know, best thing since sliced bread. And mm -hmm. then we get the community surveys back that are saying, I really struggle. That's going to be some very interesting findings. And that's, that's to me, is where we're going to gain some opportunities to do some really good learning. Um, and, and so maybe that's a good point to kind of talk about the case studies. I mean, you're, you're imagining doing several at this point. Correct. Yeah, we um, we're planning to do five uh, case studies. Um, four of them will probably be virtual. One might be on site. You know, we're still trying to figure out all those details yet. But you know, the with these case studies, um, you know, we really want to go region by region, get all of the transportation stakeholders together, um, and you know, and learn from them about what they're doing, about what's working well and what's not. Um, and, and when we say transportation stakeholders, you know, um, you know, that means not just the transit agency, because a complete trip isn't just in the hands of a transit provider. In in many cases, like you mentioned, um, Ron, the sidewalk information and, and, and things like that is, you know, un unless the transit agency also is, you know, owning the sidewalks, you know, whether they have information is probably, uh, you know, a hit or miss and, and well, mostly a miss <laughs> um, yeah. from, from what I've seen, uh, you know, so you really need to get all the players, you know, the, 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 the government agencies that manage the pedestrian infrastructure and the transit providers and um, get them all in a room and, and ask them, you know, have them think through this, you know, the complete trip and see how well, they're providing this in, different pieces of information, how they're doing it, what they've learned, what's worked well, what's not worked well based on their perspective. But, you know, we don't want to stop there. Um, these regional case studies not only include interviews with the transportation agencies, but also um, additional focus groups and discussions with individuals in the region who are blind or low vision and who are transit users. Um, or want to be transit users, right? Um, and so we also are going to do focus group meetings to learn from them about what they think is working right in the region when it comes to transit information, what needs to be improved, maybe even get new ideas we've never even thought of, you know, when it comes to strategies or tools or, you know, solutions to help provide information in a more accessible way. So I think we're going to learn a lot from these case studies and a lot from the uh, individuals with the lived experience in those regions to help shape the recommendations we put in the guidebook itself. Yep. Well, let's just talk about logistics here with the survey, because I know the survey is not quite live, and I, and I but it's about to become live. And we believe at this point that uh, the survey is going to be up the next couple of, you know, next several days, we'll say. Um, mm -hmm. Once it is, we want folks to obviously fill it out, turn it in, 
Um, it's it's a fairly uh, detailed survey, uh, but the reason for that is we really want to understand how you are using transit, what types of, of challenges you face with different types of information, uh, any good things that are happening in your community, um, and, you know, all those kind of details. Um, is there anything else that you want to share right now about the survey uh, that can help folks kind of get prepared uh, so that once this thing comes out, we can really get a lot of feedback? Because I know we're on a bit of a schedule, you know, tight schedule for for producing these results. Yeah, right. Um, and you're correct, Ron. The, the plan is that the survey should be going live next week. Um, I would say at least uh, before the before the end of the next week, hopefully even earlier. Um, we do actually have the URL for the survey now. Um, and if it's okay with you, Ron, I could share that. Um, if uh, the, the yeah, URL would- share it now. And, and then also this is gonna be in the call notes for the show that we publish about three or four days after. So, uh, but Great. yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right Right now that URL will take you to a, just a website uh, that's about the study. But once we launch the survey, then the URL will point you to the survey. Um, so. The URL for the survey is text.ag slash transit info. So again, it's uh, text. So it's tx.ag slash transit info. And so, yeah, that, that URL, put it in right now uh, to your web browser. It'll, it'll take you to just a website. But once the survey is live, um, you, uh, it'll take you to the actual survey itself, that same URL. Um, you can also, if you go to the website, it gives you an email address. If you want to be notified when the survey goes live, you can you can use that email address and let us know. We'll add you to a list of individuals to be notified when the survey is up. Um, but yeah, that's where you'll find it. We, um, and the survey is going to be open until mid-January. Right now, January 12th is looking like the deadline. Um, so uh, 2024 believe it or not. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and like Ron mentioned, the survey is, you know, detailed, right? Uh, there are a lot of pieces of information and, and we do want to really get good um, results from the survey. So to, you know, compensate individuals for their time spent filling out the survey, um, uh, everybody who fills out the survey by the deadline um, will get a $10 gift card to a merchant of their choice. And they'll also be entered into a drawing for one of five $100 gift cards that we'll be offering. So there's a little bit of a carrot there, a little bit you know, for, there. For, for, yeah. for providing us some data uh, for this, uh, as well as, of course, contributing to uh, the, the guidebook that hopefully will improve the accessibility of information. I went, and I'll, I'll add one last thing, Ron, which is that the, the survey, although the main way will be online. Um, we also will have a phone number uh, available. for So for individuals that want to call in and take the survey over the phone, we'll have live survey agents uh, that will be able to walk you through the survey, if that's what yeah. you prefer. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, so I mean, this is a really, and we'll, you know, we're going to uh, just starting to uh, get to, toward the end of our conversation, we're going to open this up. But uh, this this is a really big deal, um, and it's kind of funny. About last week, I think there was a a similar survey effort actually put out by uh, some students in the industry, uh, in the transit industry, part of a, a program called the uh, American Public Transit Association Leadership Program. Um, and I was really glad to see. I mean, I was that I was I was a little disappointed that their survey got out before ours because we don't want to bring <laughs> people out. However, right. what the encouraging thing to me is that these are folks that I personally don't know. These are folks just out in the industry. They're all young professionals in the industry who are starting to move into leadership roles. And without prompting from us or me or anybody, uh, they're, they are asking these questions. So we mm -hmm. think the timing is right on this. But if you filled out that survey, thank you. And please fill this one out too, because the data that they're collecting will not be able to, we will not be able to use that data uh, in this project. We might be able to talk to the researchers and that'll be good, um, but this is a little bit more detailed and it's really gonna, uh, we really need this data. When you're working in a university environment, the data, data integrity is a pretty big deal. 
Uh, so, so we really need the data in this survey instrument so we can really quantify the results and, and get a really good picture. Um, and we're going to encourage folks, if you can, to share the survey uh, link once it's out uh, with anybody and everybody in the community that you have contact with. Um, don't care what organization they're in or if they're not in an organization. We don't care where they live as long as it's in the, you know, within uh, the U.S. Um, we really, really want to get um, as much coverage as we can. The more, the merrier. So, um, Mike, Michael, do you have any last kind of just comments you want to share with the group or anything else you just want to talk about uh, in terms of your work and 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 just anything at all that's relevant to uh, the needs of uh, folks who are blind or have low vision and who want to use transportation? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think first, again, I'll reiterate just that I, I do think that this is a really exciting and important project. Um, you know, and because of the extent of data collection that we're doing up front, you know, the, the, the nationwide survey, of transit agencies and individuals, and then the case studies and wrapping all that up into a guidebook and toolkit uh, for the industry. We, we're even going to pilot test um, these products at a, a couple of the regions just to make sure, you know, does this really help, you know, before we publish them as sort of final guidance. Um, and so, you know, so, so it is a longer project, like Ron said, it's, it's, a, it's an intense project. Um, you know, we, we anticipate that it will be all wrapped up, you know, sometime uh, towards the end of, 2025. Um, so there is a lot of work to do in order to do that, but we really want to make sure we do it right, right, and uh, provide information that's usable that ultimately trickles down into accessible information uh, for people who are blind or low vision. And you know, we, I really do hope that you'll consider, you know, if you're from a transit agency and you're interested in participating, you know, you can uh, reach out and participate. Um, if you're a user of transit, we you know, I really do hope that you'll take the time to fill out the survey uh, when it goes live and to share it, you know, with with others that are around you so that we can get a really good response uh, to the survey and give us a lot of good data to know what the community needs uh, in order to have better transit trips. Excellent. Thank you so much. We are going to uh, open this up now for your questions and comments. Uh, and uh, this will work like it always does on these calls. Uh, I'm going to ask you folks if you want to speak to raise your hand. And uh, Travis, will, um, acting as host, will call on people. When he uh, calls upon you, uh, feel free to unmute yourself. And if you could just say your name and and whether you're in the community or if you're working for a transit. We do have some transit folks who join these calls. Um, uh, not every call, but sometimes. So we don't know who's here tonight, but uh, just say what your role is. Are you a user of service? Are you uh, a provider of, of transportation? Um, and then if, and city and state, uh, that would be super. Um, just so that we get a sense of who we have with us tonight. And we'll just go as long as we can. And, and, and Travis, I'll ask you and Jane to kind of communicate around Clubhouse and if we have any folks out there as well. Uh, but yeah, let's go. Let's open it up. All right. So first up here, we have a phone number that's 217 ending in 735. You may unmute. Illinois. Who do we got? It's Ray Campbell on his landline, Ron. Um, oh, all right. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ray Campbell, a uh, member of the community from Springfield, Illinois, also second vice president of ACB. Um, so uh, question based on something you said, Michael, uh, you, one of the reasons, uh, and you even mentioned that um, folks may have difficulties using transit is because of infrastructure that is not necessarily controlled by the trans transit uh, company. So are you planning to provide the guidebook and toolkit and whatever else is going to come out of this to state and local government officials as well so that they can be aware of things they may need to do to make uh, transit access easier? Yeah, great, great question. And the answer is yes. Uh, the products from this project are open and free to anyone. Um, Obviously, they're written to an audience uh, that mostly is transit agencies, but 
even the way that we write the guidance um, and implementation considerations are going to include the fact that and recognize, right, the fact that lo other local transportation partners um, are going to need to be involved. Um, and so um, our hope, of course, is that uh, the transit the, the transit systems in these different regions will kind of pick up the, the banner and, and run with it, right? And then rope in <laughs> all the people that they need, you know, from the city or the county or the DOT. Uh, um, but, you know, the, the information will be available. So if a city staff person sees this and says, hey, you know, that we could, we could apply this in our city, you know, they could uh, bring the transit agency along and, and hopefully start implementing some of these strategies. I I think it would behoove all of us that care about this issue to also to, once the information is available, to uh, maybe work with our transit agencies and say, you know, I'd really like to use this system, but um, there's this lack of sidewalk. You know, can we work together and go to the city and try to get that dealt with? And some of the, there's some good advocacy opportunities, I think, here. So uh, thanks a lot. Great call. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of other things I just wanted to add. Uh, you know, in addition, you know, and separate from this, and we've we've talked about some of these on these calls. You know, the the U.S. Access Board just issued a, a, a public right of way access guidelines, and and those speak to the infrastructure uh, in the communities where we all live and where transit operates. And as advocates, once right now, PROAG is not enforceable because it's it's not been adopted yet by the Department of Transportation for Transit or uh, by the uh, by the Department of Justice for everybody else, but they will adopt that. Um, I mean, they, in order for it to become law, they have to. Uh, once that occurs, we really have a responsibility as advocates to, to, to bring that to the attention. I mean, they should be knowing it anyway, uh, but we really need to make sure that folks are aware uh, and that we're really pushing uh, for the implementation of these guidelines because um, the guidelines are pretty good uh, with some, I mean, there's some things that we probably wish were a little better, uh, but it, but the real challenge is that the, in most cases, those guidelines apply to new construction and 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 uh, significant refurbishments, and we really are going to have to encourage and advocate and push uh, for for our local, you know, cities and towns and counties and and state DOTs to really accelerate you know these kinds of infrastructure improvements. There's another study, and we haven't talked about it on this, but it's not published yet, uh, but it's uh, Accessible Design for the Blind, who is a partner on this study, is also working on another TCRP study, uh, which really looks at uh, this issue of accessible walking surfaces. And, um, you know, that study will be out soon. It's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's not published yet, but when it is, yeah, I think we're going to probably talk, you know, bring them in here and have a conversation because... Uh, there's a lot of research now that's that's pointing to the kinds of things that work, and, and it's research based. This isn't just like my opinion as a as a blind person walking around or or raised or anybody else's. This is research based, uh, testing different things, and you know we're learning how to do this right. But now we've got to inform the people who are the ones doing it so that they are the ones doing it right. Next call. Uh, next uh, person. All right. Next up, we have Patty. Patty, you may unmute. All right. We'll come back to you, Patty, and we'll move on to Jane Perry. You may unmute. I'm surprised I came up that way. Thank you very much. Yes, this is Jane Perry from Falmouth, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod, your Cape Cod connection. What a wonderful project. I really don't like surveys, but I will be filling that out as soon as I know it comes up because I have lots of things right now as I'm thinking and talking to you. And um, thank you very much for this call. One of the concerns I have, I am a blind user of the Cape Cod Regional Transit Authority, and I also sit on the Bay State Council for the Blind Transportation Committee. And I also was the Falmouth representative to the Cape Cod RT Advisory Board for three years, from 2014 to 2017. And when I go to meetings, they look at me like I got 12 heads. 
They don't understand. Because I come with my white cane, and I always public comment. I always get to say something. But my concern is fixed route access, which you're going to be dealing with. You know, I call ahead and tell the dispatcher where I'm standing. I always stand at a certain bus stop. Let's say, well, you can wave it along the, along the way. I said, well, that's great, except I don't see. I don't mm-hmm. see it all now. And they kind of like, oh, okay. But I tell them exactly where I'm standing, what I'm wearing, and they come, and they come up, and they go, they open the door. I said, oh, you can come on the bus. I said, no. You kindly, can you put the ramp down, and I will need assistance. I am blind. Mm-hmm. They, oh, okay. Then they make sure I get to my seat, and then they announce it and everything. So, I really hope you can come to Massachusetts. We need help <laughs> down here in the yeah. Cape. Everyone loves to come to visit us. But we need more accessible transportation and accessible ways to take transportation because a lot of people are old down here, and they don't have smartphones or iPhones yeah. or iPads. So I thank you again, and mm-hmm. I look forward to getting in touch with you and filling out your survey. And thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. Uh, and good to hear from you. And um, yeah, we'll see. You know, one, thank you for being interested and willing to fill out the survey. Uh, that's great. Um, and of course, um, the, you know, we'll see what happens uh, if uh, we're out there to the Cape, uh, you know, something to learn from out there. We'll, um, but, I, you know, I think you, you you hit on an interesting point, which is, you know, even um there are some technologies out there that I've seen piloted, you know, that help to notify a bus operator, you know, yep. hey, there's mm-hmm. there's a person who's waiting here. Um, it's not, I don't I guess it's not really that all that common, uh, I guess, Ron, you might have more this experience. This is new technology. Are you thinking about looking bus? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty new technology. And just to to share with everybody else, and it's a little bit off, t- off topic for tonight, but it is cool. Um, it This is technology that folks can choose. Uh, to notify the transit agency through an app that they are a person who has a disability that they need assistance at the stop um, and then that this technology actually then tracks them or tracks their phone once they are inside the transit stop so like the transit stops themselves have are marked on a, on a digital map so once that person's phone who has requested assistance uh, approaches that transit stop the app essentially turns on if you will and notifies the person that they're at the stop Uh, and it also notifies the transit agency that they're there and waiting for for assistance and if they've specified a certain kind of assistance they need um, that information can be passed uh, to a driver uh, or to a dispatcher who can tell the driver depending on how they're set up this technology is actually not deployed yet anywhere in the industry, as far as I know. It's been pilot tested in Michigan once. Um, I think it was Michigan back a few years ago. Uh, but but this is technology that is coming into the industry. Um, it's a little bit different in um, in that it um, you know require it's it's really trying to get the transit system to adapt to the needs of the user. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a different philosophy. Uh, but it's a pretty interesting approach, and I'd like to see it deployed somewhere so we can get some get some experience with it and see how people like it. Uh, I think some people might love it, and some people might not like it so much. But but it is certainly something that's out in the world. So, Travis. All right, Patty, are you able to unmute? Yes, sir. Sorry about there that. Are. There you are, Patty. Patty Fletcher, Kingsport, Tennessee. Um, I'm a transit user and I'm a member of the ACB community. I use both mass and uh, both fixed route and paratransit. I think all this uh, preparing more accessible, user-friendly transportation is wonderful. Apps that notify uh, bus drivers that disabled people are at a site is awesome. But I think what your other caller was really getting at is there is a huge lack of training 
for drivers as far as what to do for a disabled person. So when you talk about a complete trip, what I'd like to know is, is training in some way, someday going to be a part of this awesome thing that you are building? Because right now, the way I see it, you can put all this stuff in place until the cows come home. But if the drivers do not know how to interact with a disabled person, it causes complete and total chaos. And I'm uh, experienced with that complete and total chaos. Thank you. That's actually a really interesting comment. Michael, I don't I don't think we've addressed training in the survey, but but I think we we have invited people in the survey to make additional comments. And, and could you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so I think, uh, I, you, Patty, you actually read my mind because I was, you know, as we were talking about the technology and that. looking bus and all that, I was like, well, you know, Jane's point also was that there, some people don't have smartphones, right? And and so uh, this all comes down to the operator uh, doing what they need to do. Uh, and, and of course, that is a training component, right? And so, you know, I, I don't, you know, I think that the guide guidebook that we're going to be putting together um, certainly is going to have to not only recommend you know this kind of information should be communicated in this kind of way right with these bare pieces of information um, but it's also going to have to include okay well how 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 does that actually get implemented to some extent right um, and some of that might be through person-to-person assistance, right? And that's going to be operator or, you know, driver to rider assistance. And what should that look like? Um, so I do think the guidebook is going to get into that. We're going to have to at least um, introduce the fact that, you know, training is going to be an important part of enacting, you know, these information standards and information guidance. Um, certainly, I don't, I don't, I would say, probably at this point, the guidebook isn't going to develop the training program, right? Um, so to speak, because it's outside of our, our scope, but we can make recommendations so, for what kinds of information needs to be communicated when the bus shows up. Um, you know, that's, that's really what our project is focused on that, that right, information, right. but go ahead. Yeah. So um, I understand that what you do and what we're saying doesn't necessarily. So the way I view it is what you are doing is step one, put down the foundation. The accessibility is there. It's user friendly, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. And then in your next step, or maybe you hand this off to someone you're coordinating with, or maybe you find someone to coordinate with. And then your step number two is let's get some guidelines for training because my experience is drivers don't even know how to speak to us. Mm-hmm. You know, what's really Ron, yeah. Yeah, I and I don't want to take up the call. So, yeah. you know, I'll shut up, but because um, I, I could absolutely get on a rant. Don't get me started. That's just <laughs> well, all I can well, say. Here, here's what I want to capture from this because I want to make sure we get as many callers as possible. But Here's the thing I want to capture, and you said it, Patty. You you can design and as much as you want. You can have really good information. You can have digital accessibility. You can have braille signs at the bus stops. You can have you know whatever. The whole thing doesn't work if the person gets on the bus and they have a bad experience, and and the driver has a huge role to play in that. And and that is all about training. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. And I think even if we don't address it directly in this project, it certainly doesn't take much ink to write the statement that training and, and driver interaction, it's a make or break. It doesn't matter how good your system is. Um, mm-hmm. Let's keep going. All right. Anybody Up in Clubhouse? Yeah, anybody in Clubhouse, Jane? Not at the moment. All right. Next up here, we have Nora. Hi, Ron. Hi, Michael. My name is Nora. Helsing from Phoenix, Arizona. And the only kind of transit I use is uh, paratransit. I don't take mass transit like uh, city buses or anything, but I take mass 
no, I take um paratransit and my issue is lots of times that when they they don't speak English, that's a, like when I take if I have to take Uber or Lyft, which I normally don't, but if I have to I have to and even the regular driver ride or regional paratransit mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't speak English, and yeah. and that means I'm gonna have to learn their language or Spanish or whatever. And that's kind of very frustrating when they and some of the drivers would just at least they open the door for you, but uh, sometimes they do it automatically, sometimes not. But uh, it's basically a language barrier. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good, it's a good point. It's not part of this project, which is focused on on fixed route public transportation. However, maybe there's a TCRP research project on ideal training approaches for uh, uh, for transit and paratransit drivers. I don't know, but um, it's definitely, yeah. you know, we're hearing it from more than one person. So Nora, thank you for that. You're um, welcome. We've got You're it. Welcome. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think training is super important and that includes training on communicating you know, in the language that people are speaking for, which for most of us is English. So right. Uber and Lyft too. Yep. Both gotcha. Okay. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. We are actually clear. We are clear. Okay. Oh, then no, I we're not. To... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I say that, a hand goes up. Teresa. couple of things in this um, message here. Okay, Ray Campbell. I'm Teresa Petri from Arkansas, from Central Arkansas. <clears throat> Used to live in Little Rock for 31 years. Now I live outside of Little Rock in a town called Jacksonville. When I first moved to Little Rock, for the better part of uh, four or five years, I took the regular city bus to and from my job. And um, even though there wasn't sidewalk in on my street, I, I managed to do it. Um, you know, it was it was concerning because, you know, there was a busy street. But I you know, I knew stay to the left, stay to the left. Mm -hmm. However, with a lot of construction at um a facility a hospital facility next door to where I work at a VA hospital the bus stop just got relocated and relocated. And they, you know, I guess they assumed the veterans were finding it okay. You know, other passengers, they didn't take into consideration the blind passengers. <clears throat> yeah, eventually, uh, I didn't need, okay, eventually I did not need um, to use this, uh, the city bus, but then I started using paratransit, which was fine, but unfortunately, when you move out of an area where paratransit nor the fixed routes come and somebody, you know, saying, well, don't they have an express bus that goes to Jacksonville? I think they used to, but then COVID, COVID really knocked a, you know, a hole in a lot of things. And I have gone to our local regional um, meetings. Uh, it's called Rock Region Metro. And I've gone to those meetings before. And so have other blind users of, um, the rock region system but they they um they listen to us they they say oh take these things into consideration but nothing ever changes michael could you talk about because i think we've talked in the survey i think you know one of the things you talked about in your presentation you talked about alerting people to service disruptions and changes could you just talk about the scope of what we're going to be looking to gather information on as it relates to things like construction and detours and some of those things? Yeah, sure. Um, like, like you mentioned, um, there's you know, having the information about what's happening both with your sidewalk or pedestrian pathway and with the bus stop you're hoping to use, right, are, is critical information for a trip to be successful, right? And um, I'm sure that we'll learn that during from the surveys because that's one of the things we ask. You know, how important is it for you to know if your transit trip 
is impacted by a delay or disruption or if the if the sidewalk is closed you know due to construction that we asked those questions in the survey um you know so what we'll be able to document through this study is you know hey th this is really important information and second how you know what are the best ways that a tr that a transit agency or region should be notifying or communicating um, to individuals when they do when there is a sidewalk you know change or closure or a bus stop closure or you know they move the stop you know so so the guidebook will contain information about how to communicate uh, uh, you know this critical information to people who are blind or low vision and and obviously you know with maybe a, an asterisk that says try not to do this <laughs> you know um as often as possible you know the best case scenario is you don't you know close or move the stop um obviously they can't always be avoided but you know so when you do have to uh how you know what do you do how do you provide that information both to somebody who you know has a signed up for your alerts and how do you provide it for instance for somebody who's not right so it's so we really want to be able to document provide the that guidance uh to systems so they'll All be right, able to under do that five well. minutes now all right gotcha. thank you so so we're gonna um we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up um with the, just a few remarks i actually wanted to share uh i've something came across my um email this morning uh from and this is not from the us that's vancouver british columbia uh, TransLink, which is the bus system that operates in Vancouver and the metropolitan area around Vancouver, Canada, uh, has just announced that they have implemented Braille and raised print signs at all 8,400 bus stops in their system. And one of the other things that, which, I mean, that's cool um, all by itself, but one of the other things that they did is as as we all, as as blind folks know, Braille and raised print signs are um, they're great once you find them, but if you don't know that they're there, or if you're not sure where to look, they can be a little tricky, uh, and you can't really read them until you actually find them. One of the things that Vancouver has also done is they have installed um, a a tactile surface inside, you know, in the within the sidewalk. So, uh, and I don't know what it looks like because um, I'm not, you know, I'm not in Vancouver, but it. Their intention is so that if you're walking along with a cane or with a guide dog or or whatever, you're going to encounter this unique surface, whether it's bar tiles or whatever. I'm guessing it's probably bar tiles. It's going you're going to intercept these tiles and it's going to tell you that, hey, if you look to your left or toward the street or whatever, you're going to find a pole and it's going to have a sign. And that sign's going to have your bus, it's going to have the TransLink, you know, name, it's going to have the bus number the route destination for that vehicle. Um, and it's gonna have a phone number that you can call to get information if you need more. Um, and I just thought, you know, sometimes we, we talk an awful lot about technology, uh, mobile apps and the like, uh, but there's still a place for just making the environment work right. And one of the things that really excites me about this survey is that I think we're gonna, this is a chance for the for the folks who use the service to really, really give lots of information about how they use it, what works, what doesn't, and what they wish their agencies would do. And we're going to be able to take this information and actually come back to the industry and put something together that 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 is the same whether you're in uh, Boston or 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 Bangor or uh, you know San Francisco or where or anywhere in between. Um, and I think that that's going to be a huge value. So when this survey comes out, we will uh, we will push it out to as many places as we possibly can. We encourage you all to do the same. And uh, you know, hopefully, in a, in a couple of years, we're going to have something really really good uh, to give to the industry, uh, so that we can start to to nibble away at some of these challenges that that are forcing so many of us to use paratransit and other services that frankly aren't as good uh, and they cost more and they're not as healthy for us. I mean, we're healthier if we can be out and about. So so I think there's a lot of upside here. Um, I wanna thank you again, Michael, for coming and being a part of the conversation. Uh, I think it's been great. 
I want to thank Travis for hosting. I want to thank Jane for streaming and, and connecting us in Clubhouse. And I want to thank all of you, whether you ask questions or not, uh, just for joining and being a part of the conversation. Uh, we will be back in January uh, with a topic to be determined. Uh, until then, I want to wish everybody uh, happy holidays, whatever holiday is yours. I hope it's enjoyable and safe. And I hope that you have an excellent end to the year and a happy new year. And we will be back in January.